Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. I'm your host, Brian Nichols, and uh, welcome again to the fastest growing podcast on the We Are Libertarians network. Uh, I am once again joined with a phenomenal uh, guest, um, continuing with the great train of guests we have this week. I am joined by New York State gubernatorial candidate Larry Sharp, libertarian, uh, running for a, a pretty. Uh, we, we need some help, Larry, here in New York State. Um, as someone who, who hails from New York, I can definitely say that. But uh, who are we at the We Are Libertarians Network? Well, uh, the Brian Nichols Show, part of the We Are Libertarians Network, we are the fastest growing show, uh, reaching out to individuals from all political persuasions, be they all the way to the left to all the way in the right. Uh, and all those in between, with a goal to really help uh, do three things. Number one, educate. Number two, enlighten. And number three, inform. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter and on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty. And please feel free to subscribe on Patreon at B Nichols Liberty to help us keep producing this content you enjoy. And as always, please feel free to share today's show on iTunes. Um, and, and today I say really to my New York listeners, this is a great show for you because, like I said, Larry Sharp, hailing from New York City, um, he is running to replace uh, the the God King boy Andrew Cuomo. Um, hopefully, Larry to take over the reins of New York State, take over the government, and leave everybody else alone. How you doing, Larry? The music is loud. I can hardly hear you. Yep. There we go. Sorry, Larry. Say so. So we want you to take over New York State. Leave everybody else alone. What's the uh, the thoughts on that? Ah, there we go. Good. Now it's all good now. Awesome. (laughs) So, uh, yes, here's the issue that people don't realize. The Republican Party in a statewide election in New York State in 2018 is a wasted vote. They cannot win in this state and a vote for them doesn't actually do anything to change the culture. The Republicans right now in New York State are just as bad, just as guilty as Democrats. So a vote there is a waste. A vote for Green is a waste. A vote for any other third party is a waste because nothing will change. Obviously, a vote for Democrat is a waste also because, again, nothing will change. If you like what's happening in New York State, if you think that these last eight years have been amazing, you should vote for King Andrew. His Majesty's <laughs> government has, has done a wonderful job of doing exactly what he said. Nothing. It's awesome. But if you do want to change... There is only one option, and that is Larry Sharp, the Libertarian candidate for governor in 2018, because I am actually a candidate that can cross the aisle and will do real change and is not afraid to talk about that change, is not afraid to actually bring up radical change and real reform and change New York State for the better. So the only option for change in 2018 is Larry Sharp. So... When uh, when Elliot Spitzer took over for uh, Governor uh, Pataki there back in 2000 and I believe it was 2006 um, mm-hmm. with that big uh, blue blue swing that came through New York State. So I, I myself, just some background for the audience, I, I have lived 23 plus years in New York State, um, recently moved to uh, to Philadelphia out of the, uh, the, the eastern communist capital of the United States being that of New York. Um, mm-hmm. And I've watched as we've had Elliot Spitzer, Dave Patterson, and now Andrew Cuomo be our governor. And... Um, you say he didn't really do too much, but I mean, he did do one really, really damning thing, and that was pushing for that that cursed New York State Safe Act. Now, um, I reached out to the audience here, and I, I really want to focus specifically on New York State questions. Um, so, with that being said, I had a question here from Chris. And Chris wanted to ask, and this actually pertains to the New York Safe Act, is he says, with all the emphasis on gun control measures and school state safety, 
what do, do what do you, Larry Sharp, feel is the best approach for ensuring a safe place for learning? And with that, I'll also follow up. Does that include keeping what is the New York Safe Act? Um, there are two separate issues. So let me be very clear. There are two separate issues. Let me first touch the Safe Act. The Safe Act does not keep us safe and has nothing to do with safety. That's why I want to be clear. It has nothing to do with school safety. Nothing to do with anything. All the SAFE Act did was it made a bunch of law-abiding citizens criminals overnight. The SAFE Act basically is now wasting police resources going after people who aren't criminals. It is giving prosecutors more reasons to violate our rights, more reasons to search and seize our property. It is all it does is it says these pieces of equipment now have been deemed by His Majesty's government as evil and or bad. That's all it does. So now, if, for example, some of the crazy things in it, if you have a magazine, a magazine, not even a, not even a weapon, a magazine, right. that is now a crime. Why is that a crime, right? I mean, this kind of thing is, is what we're talking about. If you have a, a legally owned firearm in it from another state, you legally own it, have a license, you're traveling through our state, not even into our state to visit someone through our state, they will arrest you and put you in jail. If you have a piece of, if you have ammunition in a bag that is in the same bag as your weapon, not loaded in the same bag, that is now considered loaded. You go to jail. The safe fact is an embarrassment. It makes people who want to have guns purchase more guns. And worst part, it makes them afraid to register or tell the cops about their guns. So it actually makes solving crimes even harder. And here's the, the craziest part. If you're someone who says, hey, I would like to have less guns in our society, I have an idea. Stop passing strict gun control. The stricter the gun control, the more people buy guns. That's a fact, right? Gun, gun purchasing goes up when you have Democrats in charge who are talking about gun control. It goes up. After the, the shootings and all the worry about uh, the gun control, NRA membership is up. If you want people to have less guns, if that's your goal, the concept of gun restriction is doing exactly the opposite. So the SAFE Act doesn't make us safe, doesn't do anything that makes any sense whatsoever, and it should be repealed. But as a governor, I can't repeal it. Governors don't get to repeal things. However, here's what I can do. There's a reason why the SAFE Act isn't being repealed. There are a bunch of assembly people and a bunch of senators, assemblymen and, and state senators, who actually do want to repeal it. But they know they can't. Because if they repeal it, someone is going to do something stupid. And when that person does that stupid thing, the press is going to blame that individual or individuals who tried to repeal it and blame them for whatever it is. And they're going to lose their seat. They know that. I get it. But when I become governor, I'm going to be attacked all day long. I'm attacked already. And I'm not even governor yet. So they're going to beat me up <laughs> on this all day long. I don't care. So what? It's another thing. What am I going to do? Two things. Number one, I am going to not have enough resources to enforce the SAFE Act. So we won't be enforcing it because it isn't that important. And there are so many more important things in New York State. And guess what? Cops will be happy about that. Cops don't want to enforce the SAFE Act. Cops want to go get bad guys. They don't want to spend their time arresting some mom who carries a firearm to protect her kids. And that's the kind of thing that happens. They don't want to do that at all. The cops don't want to do this. Prosecutors are okay with it because easy conviction. They'll have to go someplace else for convictions and they'll be fine with that. But cops don't want to do it. So that's the first step. Can't enforce it. Second step. I will begin pardoning victims of the SAFE Act within the first 90 days. 
I don't know all of them. Depends on how many. I think it's about a thousand people, if I'm not mistaken, have been yeah, affected by the that. That was the most recent number I saw. Yeah. Yeah, about a thousand. So I'll begin pardoning them. I don't mean commuting their sentences. I mean pardoning them. They should have never been arrested in the first place. They should not have criminal record. Now, of course, it's assuming that you know what they did was nonviolent. If they actually committed a crime and it was a victim, they, those will not be pardoned. But anyone who's just been because you had a magazine, those are all going to become pardoned. So as I pardon them, here's what's going to happen. If I pardon, as an example, say 100 people in the first 30 days, 90 days, one of them is going to go do something stupid. One's going to go you know, beat his or her spouse, or one's going to go rob a liquor store or something like that, because people do that. And when that happens, people are going to say, look, Governor Sharp, it's all your fault. And I'm going to say, no, because one person did something bad. 99 went back onto their lives and get their lives back. This country was built on the idea that it'd be better for a guilty person to go free than to put an innocent person in jail. That has gone away. I still believe in that. So I will happily say, yes, this guy or gal did something stupid. Yes, they did. And they should be punished for doing that bad thing, not for having a magazine in their bag. And other 99 people who didn't do anything wrong, I should be happy and proud that they are out living their lives, trying to get their lives back on track. Now, when I do that for the first year, the Assembly and the Senate, when I look at that and go, oh, guess what? Governor Sharp just gave us air cover. If something goes wrong, we can blame him. And not just that, for the past year, things have gone wrong and he's still surviving. That's amazing. They will then repeal it. So I'll, I'll pick up the governor mantle in 2019. I'll spend the first year, 2019, doing that for the SAFE Act. And by 2020, it should be repealed. So to, to follow up on the second part of the question there. So uh, one thing Chris wanted to wonder is, is what do you feel is the best means to ensure a, a safe space for learning, that being within the schools that we've seen these mass shootings take place? Yeah, there's a couple of things. The first thing is the concept of thinking that, you know what, I don't want um, kids to have a semi-automatic weapon or an automatic weapon or a handgun or whatever the case may be. This whole idea is backward. Why? Because what you're saying is, I'm okay with kids killing themselves, I just care what weapon they choose. I'm not okay with that. I'm simply not. I, I don't want kids to be killing each other at all. And if you take away the, the rifle, now they use a pistol. They with a pistol, they use a knife. I don't know that. That's what they've been doing. The last one in, was it uh, Parkland? In Parkland, the guy actually thought this thing out. He pulled the fire alarm, making sure the people went to the hallway, and then he began firing. He was thinking about it. So if we take away his firearm, what does he do? He pulls the uh, a fire alarm, waits for the people to come into the parking lot, and runs them down with a truck. How do I know that? That happened in Nice, France, and over 80 people were killed. More than any shooter we ever had. 80 killed by a vehicle. Here in Manhattan, just about a couple of months ago, guy downtown, a vehicle, killed eight people. Boom, mowed them over the truck. What are you talking about? This is not the right answer. The answer, I want less people to be shooting each other. That's the critical aspect. I want safety. Now, of course, the answer is, I hear all the time, let's put a bunch of uh, uh, metal detectors and all this kind of stuff within. How does a metal detector stop some guy from pulling the alarm and a truck running people over? It doesn't. What it does is it turns our schools into prisons. It then makes kids think they need this to be safe. It makes them and their parents just even more afraid, which makes them not learn, which makes them more afraid. That's not what I want. I don't want to turn our, our schools into prisons. This is the wrong answer. Second piece. If they turn the schools into prisons, awesome. When, again, fire alarm, they come outside, run them down. 
I just thought of this. The guy in France thought that you think some kid not, who wants to kill people is not going to think of this? Silly. We, we cannot make the perfect prison. We shouldn't even be trying. The other idea, put armed guards out front. We had that in Parkland and the guy ran away. There was an armed guard there and he didn't do anything. That's not going to work. Let's arm the teachers. That's, you, teachers don't want to be armed. Another bad problem. Let's put a, a, a former Marine or something in front of that. Great. Now what will the kid do? He'll shoot the Marine first. These, none of these are viable answers. Now, look, I was in the Marine Corps. I spent a short period of time in intelligence, did some time in counterintelligence. Some of the things you do when trying to deal with a, any type of uh, assault or um, criminal activity or terrorism is to be unpredictable. The things, the, the, the attacks that were the most effective were the ones that were planned out. You want to make sure they can't be planned out for a defensive position? Here's defense and offense. Defense. The first thing you do is have it unpredictable. Allow teachers, if they choose to, to carry a firearm. If they want to. No worries. If you don't want to, don't. No worries. But now the shooter won't know. That's good. And you're not making teachers do things they don't want to do. The Second Amendment does not say the right to bear arms is required. You have to have it. It says you can choose to. It's a choice. I do not want to force people to have firearms if they don't want firearms. That would be just as bad as, as removing the Second Amendment. It is a choice not, not a demand or requirement. And the second thing is, if you want to have people, in it, that people mention this, that you have having retirees or uh, volunteers who, who are armed and licensed, if you want to use that in certain states, even New York State, I'm fine with that concept as long as they are patrolling, not stationed. Again, the person doesn't know when the person is going to show up or not. That's defense. Now, offense. I want kids to be happier. I want them to see a future. I want our kids to be doing what they want to be doing, which means changing how education is in general, change the entire system, breaking this, this thing down. Where do the kids always been to collapse? Almost always, it's the last couple of grades, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. That's when it begins to collapse. And that's where our system fails consistently. We need to go away from a K through 12 model and move instead to a K through 10 model. That's already happening in many places, right? In Syracuse, now Rochester, they have CTE, which is career and technical education. I think that's what it's called. And in New York City, we have a bunch of schools already. My, my daughter's going to one where basically uh, 11th and 12th grade, she's taking college courses. She's finished her high school by 10th grade. This is the norm. K through 10 needs to be the norm. Why in the world would we decide that we're going to have a kid spend 22 years trying to figure out what their career is when it's probably not going to be their career and they're going to have five careers in their life at least, not five jobs, five careers. Those systems broken. We have kids who are sitting in their last two years in high school watching, uh, playing video games and smoking weed. That is a waste of time, a waste of energy, a waste of everything. I want those kids making decisions on their lives now. We have labor laws from back when there was a factory, factory times. Those days are also over. Why aren't kids right now in the workforce, those who choose to be at 16? What does that mean? Less kids in high school, less kids who shouldn't be in high school in high school, and more kids out there trying to become adults. That's what I want. The complaint I hear all the time. Kids aren't growing up. Why? We're not letting them. We're making them make decisions when they're 22, 23, 24, 25. Not when they're 16. The average kid today takes six years to graduate college. Horrible. They shouldn't. I know. When I was 17, I joined the Marine Corps. I didn't go to college until I was 20, 21. I was a terrible high school student. I barely passed high school, and I mean barely. But when I went to college, I was older. I was mature. I chose to go. I wanted to go. I had a 3.8 GPA. 
That's awesome for somebody who was a full-time Marine at the same time. <laughs> and it wasn't because I was super smart. I was dedicated. And that's how all people work. If you want to go to college, you should go. If you're motivated to go to college, go. There are some students who absolutely, when they're 17, 18, 16, should be in high school studying, you know, advanced, you know, chemistry and history. And they should be. And there are some that should be, who should be coding some app, who should be under the hood of a car, who should be becoming plumbers, who should be working in an office, who should be on an Excel spreadsheet, who should be doing, uh, going to specialized schools for nursing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I know we have that in New York State. We do. But the culture isn't that. The culture is, if you don't go to college, you're stupid. That's the culture. That is demonstrably wrong, clearly incorrect. It's the bad idea. It hasn't been true for years, and we still push it. We must stop. Our governor says, here's free college. That's the answer. College is not the answer for the majority of kids. Go to work. You'll go to college later. My wife is in her 40s. My wife is going back to school for her doctorate uh, this year. Why? Because many people do. You have multiple careers. If you look at college today, you have tons of college students who are 30s, 40s, 50s, going back for a second or third career. Why do we think college has to be at 18? It's a silly idea. Most of these kids aren't ready for it and even want to. Instead, have some hope at 16. You want to have kids not be violent, not hurt each other? Give them one important thing. Hope, a future. There are two things you will find with most of these shooters, whether they're school or not. One is a positive thing and one's a negative thing. The positive thing, meaning they actually have, is they have a prescription to psychotropic drugs, which means they probably have some form of depression or sadness or issue in their life. Secondly, they don't have a girlfriend, which means many of them, <laughs> yes, which means many of them, not all, that's not a 100% rule. It's a good 89% rule, which means many of them also have bad relationships. They are unhappy. That's a critical piece. They have no hope. So there are two parts. The defensive part I talked about, the offensive part is giving kids more hope, giving them more opportunity. Stop forcing them to be in places they don't want to be and shouldn't be. Stop making them so damn unhappy. Give them the opportunity to find something extra. I was at Nazareth College about a month ago and doing the same presentation. And a student there says to me, he says, Larry, are you telling me you want me to make this kind of decision when I'm 16? I said, yes. You're making them already. You're deciding whether you should take this class or that class, whether you have a part-time job or not, whether you should do drugs or not, whether you should have sex or not. You make decisions now already. Good. And of course, the response is, but I might make a mistake. Good. Make it at 16, not 26. Mistakes are good. Make it at 16, not 26. Mess up now and figure out what you don't like now. By the time you're 26, you'll be rocking and rolling in your first career. And maybe Steve is on your second career. That's what I want. You want our kids to grow up? You want them to stop killing each other? You want to have a better environment? Give them some hope. Change the system. This is right now a system that makes sure that we teach to a test, that we force them to college. Look, I, I can go on education for, forever here, but I mean, this is an important piece. He asked the question, you open Pandora's box, I'm talking. You we teach the test now on top of it. Why are we teaching the test? It's, it's insane. When you teach the test, there are some kids who are bad test takers. They'll do well on tests. When those kids don't do good on tests, they are now labeled dumb kids. Once you're labeled a dumb kid and you're a kid, you start thinking you're dumb, you start acting dumb because society tells you you're dumb. Whether you are dumb or not, it's irrelevant. I don't want any kid labeled dumb. Zero kids should be labeled dumb ever. So that's what we have, number one. Then when people go off to these BOCES or CTE, people think, oh, because they can't go to college. 
Shame on you for saying that or thinking that. Shame on our government and culture for actually promoting that. It's absolutely not true. Here's the reality, and you know this, Brian, you know this. There are people who have master's degrees who now sit there and work as baristas at Starbucks and a guy who has no college degree and he's a plumber and he makes six figures a year. This Amen. is the reality of life. We need people in trades. We need people to do work that they want to do. And because you become a plumber at 16, 17, 18, so what? You might decide you want to do that the rest of your life. You might change your 24 and become a teacher and then go back to college and become a professor and then leave that and go start a small business and go work. And after that, you have some experience to go work for a large company. Who cares? Be happy. The idea that someone's going to spend 22 years coming with a career and then spend 40 years at some job and retire, this is an anachronism that was gone years ago. But we still feel this way because government is always the slowest to change. <laughs> and that's a perfect – so it's actually really funny that you went right to education because um, Joe Henry, he actually submitted a question that was in, entirely about education. So, I mean, you jumped the shark, but it was, it was a great, great segue. Um, now, I grew up in New York State. Glary, you, you, you grew up in New York State. So you experienced, as you already mentioned a little bit, the uh, the BOCES system. Now, yep. BOCES, it, it gets looked at, and, and as you spoke about quite eloquently there, is that – it, it gets this perception of like, oh, it's where the dumb kids go or the kids yep. who aren't going to college. And, and I agree. I think, you know, we look at these these quote unquote dirty jobs that are out there that need to be filled. And these kids are now making, you know, six figures because they're doing the jobs that nobody else wants to do. No, 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 no. I have to change that completely. Two things. Number one, not the jobs that need to be filled. The jobs these guys want to do. You said that jobs yeah, don't want yes. to do? No, they do want to do them. Society is telling them not to, but they do. Have you met plumbers? I meet them all the time here. They love their job. <laughs> they true. love it. Yep. They're not mad. They're not upset that they're a plumber. They're loving it. Oh, this is a great job. I make tons of money. meet lots of people. Go to people's homes. It's great. Busy all the time. They love their job. Society has told them they shouldn't like it. But they how actually do. We, how do, do we destigmatize that? I think that's the question I want to read. Because, I mean, BOCES, those kids get the, this perception when they're a BOCES student. And, and the perception is forced upon them that, you know, that's a lesser thing to do as a high school student. So maybe is the answer not BOCES, but rather it's, as you previously mentioned, like, let them stop at 16. Get an internship. Go and, and be under uh, the wing of an electrician or be under the wing of a plumber. I mean, is that a better solution? Yes. Okay, perfect. Why are in school at all at 16, 17, 18? Once you're done at grade 10, you're finished. Now you have a couple of options. One, go to trade school. Get an apprenticeship. That's fine. Either one of those two are good. Or go to, go to, go to a prep school so you can go to college. Here's the problem that we're missing. If you've been to college recently, you know this. Currently, college is 13th grade. That's what it is. The Freshman first year of college especially. is 13th grade. It's horrible. It's embarrassing. How about instead, once you're 16, you're done, your 10th grade's over. Now your next two years is preparing you for college, deciding what college you want to go to, um, go, taking classes for that. If you're going to go into, say, sciences, you go to math, history. Now you're doing that. That becomes your preparatory school. Or, that's option one, or you go to trade school. Awesome. You want to be something, a specific trade that requires training. You want to become an insurance person. You want to become a, uh, a medical biller. You want to become an insert thing here. Or get a job. Become an apprentice. Look, people get mad at me all the time about legal, illegal immigration, legal immigration. Part of it is because we have a labor issue. Well, what if there were 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, who would now be full-time employees? 
What We have laws like they're going to die in a bobbin factory or something like that. I mean, it's insane. It's not going to happen. If 16, 17-year-olds actually went to work at 16, 17, they might actually, instead of spending their time, again, smoking weed and playing video games, learn a work ethic at 16, 17. See what fields they enjoy and don't enjoy. Some of them will spend two years working and go, I don't want to work. I want to go to school. Great. Go to prep school and then go to college. What's wrong with that? You still at least spent one or two years working. Maybe you want to be a farmer in upstate New York. Maybe you don't. Maybe you want to be a sales rep. Go sell stuff in a store. Go do something. But you can take a lower salary. Why? You're living at home. You don't need to have the illegal immigrant anymore, do you? You have the 16, 17-year-old who's living at home. So this kind of goes to a question it does pertain to the jobs, and it also looks at a, an industry that's gotten a lot of flack in New York State. So in recent years, um, fracking became a really big cash cow for a lot of people in New York State because finally the untapped um, market for fracking was allowed to, to be utilized. And there has been, a lo uh, uh, I guess I'd say, a lot of uh, pushback from those not only in the southern tier, but also from those over in the uh, the Hudson Valley who are opposed to, to fracking for the environmental concerns. Um, so actually this comes from, uh, it's an anonymous uh, user under the name Rational Press. They were wondering, uh, you know, Larry, what's uh, your position on fracking? Um, more specifically, uh, with regards to the uh, serious thought about environmental conservation. Yeah, there are a couple things. The first thing is, as a general rule, almost every time I'm going to do my best to allow local control to the best of my ability. That's not a 100% rule, but it's a good 80% rule. I'm gonna try my best to always allow local control. People constantly get concerned. Where's the governor come from? Is he come from New York City? He's gonna only care about New York City. Does he come from Buffalo? He's only gonna care about Western New York. It doesn't matter what I care about because I'm going to go out of my way to give the local communities the most possible control. I automatically assume that some bureaucrat in Albany does not know better than a local government. Doesn't. I assume that. If the local government needs help, it can reach out to Albany. I'm happy for Albany to help when you ask for help. If you don't ask for help, go ahead. The odds are you'll do it better than me. And if you don't, you'll learn your lesson and others will follow. So I say that because when it comes to fracking, I think the same thing. As a general rule, I think moratoriums statewide tend to be a bad idea. There are some exceptions, obviously. But when it comes to fracking, the moratorium should be lifted immediately. Let the local counties decide whether they want fracking or not. I think there are 15 counties in New York State that realistically can do fracking, if I'm not mistaken. Most are, of course, on the lower tier right there, the area, southern tier. So most are there. But with that in mind, uh, with those 15 counties, if one of those counties says, we want fracking, I'm not necessarily against it. There are two caveats. Caveat number one, the, the reason why the fracking industry, in my view, has been so bad is because they have not been transparent. And I will not accept that. Any any company that wants to frack in New York State must be fully transparent. If they go, but Governor Sharp, we can't be because of intellectual property issues because of our proprietary blend. I guess you're not fracking then. Because if you're prepared to be completely and uh, uh, transparent, I'm okay. You can do it as long as the local counties agree. With that in mind, also, does the fracking affect multiple counties? If it affects multiple counties, all the counties have to agree. If they agree, I'm fine with fracking. Let them do what they think is best. I don't assume that I know. And for some counties that are struggling, they're prepared to take the damages to fix their struggling counties. I'm okay with that.
So upstate New York. Now I right. hail from. You also, about, you also also about the environmental environment in general. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Here's the problem in general. We have uh, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called the oh god, I forgot the name of the fund. Is it like a general fund or something like that? Which is basically what companies pay uh, a certain amount into to deal with their environmental issues. There's a cap on the damages that companies can pay for environmental problems. They pay the cap, or the insurance company pays the cap. And once that's paid, then the federal government is on the hook. The taxpayers bail us out to clean up these things. That whole system has to change. The system is set up for big companies to pollute. We think the answer is regulation. It isn't. Regulation is written by the big boys. They get around it. That's not the answer. The answer is changing the system. Right now, there's a huge cap on what they have to pay. With a cap on what they have, I think, I think it's 75 billion, 75 million maybe. I've forgotten what the cap is, but there's a cap where they can only pay X amount and then they don't have to pay anymore. And so they don't. And that's why you have all these massive cleanup areas just sitting there because the general fund, I think it's called a super fund. The super fund has to pick it up. But if it doesn't have enough money, then the taxpayers pay. Well, who wants to do that? It doesn't make any sense. So the answer to making the environment safer is not more regulation. It's changing the system to where insurance companies themselves have to actually pay. The regulations actually make things worse because the regulations actually make it more expensive to clean up because the regulations are old. So you wind up using old technology, old issues, old everything. But if you have it to make it it where it's new, where that whole system is changed, now it must be the most upgraded, most newest things to deal with this. It'll actually become cheaper in the long run. If it's cheaper to repair in the long run, insurance companies are responsible for in the long run then it will actually be safer in the long run. So the whole system has to change if we actually want the environment to get better. We've been making environmental changes for literally decades, and we still have massive problems. We still have spills. We still have people dying of cancer. These things don't change, right? We still have the massive clouds. What Grumman and, was it, uh, Tananyanga? I forget the other one. It's upstate New York. There's a bunch of them, right, that are having these problems. So they have these problems, but even though we have regulation, change the system to make people responsible. Now, and here's the problem. When we have a lot of regulations, the victim is now the state and not the individuals. And we have to change that. The victim should be the victim, the people who the company is hurt. If you ever notice, as soon as a company does something bad, the first thing they say is, we, we didn't break any rules. They don't even deny they hurt anybody. They just said, we didn't break any rules. It means we're okay because the crime is against the state. And that's the problem with regulation. I want the crime to be against the victim. And I want the victim to be made whole. So let's, because uh, we're, we're getting towards the uh, the mark here. I wanted to start wrapping things up. I Now, this is just personally because I am from what we, we New Yorkers classify as not only upstate New York, but northern New York. So um, for those of you who, who are listening who aren't from New York State, there is... The North Country. The North Country. That's right. Exactly. The North Country. Um, so there's, there's really three... I'll say four main areas of New York State. There is Western New York, which would be pretty much anything um, to, I, I like to compare New York State to a boot, so where the toe would be, so Buffalo, Rochester, um, the greater Western New York towards the Finger Lakes. You have the Southern Tier, which is going to be pretty much the the entire bottom half of the state. Um, you have the, the greater New York City area, so New York City, Long Island, and uh, then you have the capital region, which is going to be Albany and the surrounding areas. I, I guess it's more than four. Central New York, Syracuse, the greater Syracuse, Utica area. And then the, the great white north, the north country, which is going to be pretty much anything. Watertown, Plattsburgh, Ogdensburg, and the likes. Now, 
over the past, I would dare say, well, almost 50 years or so, um, if not more, New York State has been dominated politically by pretty much one area in all those areas I mentioned, and that is the New York City, Long Island area. So how, how would you, Larry, propose going forward to have a New York State government that is truly representative of, um, of those individuals who are not the New York City folk, but the, the North Country, the Western New York, the Southern Tier, the Central Albany area, the, the, the North Country, and the likes. How would you be able to bring them in as a governor and make sure that they feel that their needs are respected and understood by New York State instead of just those within the confines of the greater New York City area? You can't, which is why I won't even bother trying. The goal is to give people more autonomy. How in the world am I going to stand in Albany and say, you know what? I know the right laws for Broome County or I know the right laws for Jamestown or I know the right laws for New York City. I don't know the right laws for those things. Why would I even try? The reality of it is I'm probably going to have Lieutenant Governor uh, from Western New York to make sure that someone's whispering in my ear in case I do something stupid. So I make sure I understand that. But I'm a city boy and I, and I can't hide that. I don't even try to hide that. That's what I am. I'm, I'm born and raised in the Bronx, some part on Long Island and now in Queens. So that's who I am. My point is I will never be able to say I understand exactly how people think in the North Country. I can't. Or the Southern Tier. I can't. But I can say I understand that and therefore let me give you as much autonomy as possible. That's the goal. The goal is as little centralized control as possible. Respecting the locals, understand they probably know what's best. That is how you, you want to do it. Otherwise, why in the world would I think that I know everything? I can't. This, this is the problem with all the other parties. When they get in charge, they will always say the same thing. Elections have consequences. What they mean by that is now we get to enforce our will upon you. Government has been used, particularly in New York State, but throughout this country, far too much to enforce the will of the majority and not to defend the rights of the individual. We have to shift that into defending the rights of the individual. The rights of the, of the individual, though, that goes to the Supreme Court. That takes years and people are in jail forever. And then, oh, yeah, we probably should have taken your rights away. Sorry about that. Here's some money. Go away. That's how individual rights are now. That should be the norm. That should be what happens. Again, when I go to uh, colleges and speak, I will often do this. What I'll say is, I'll say, hey, guys, how many people here share their homework? And if the parents were in the room also with the students, they will often be shy, but then eventually someone will put their hand up. Oh, come on, who shares their homework? All the hands will go up. And I'll say, now, for those of you who were in high school, when you were in high school, how many shared your homework? All the hands go up. We have a sharing world now. We have a sharing economy. We have a sharing everything. That's the world. So why in the world will we as a, as a state decide that we should be competing against each other or fighting? No, let each county do what that county thinks is correct. And share. And people know this is working. This isn't working. We're good at this. We're better at that, right? In school, you have the guy, the guy who's really good at social studies. He, he does all social studies homework. The other one does the math homework, and they swap it. That's what happens in business too. Everyone's not their own, you know, their own company. They use others. They help others, and people are good at, at X. Someone else is good at Y, and that's how you grow your business. That's how you grow your state. People always say, "But Larry." And then, you know, this county will mess up and, you know, Ontario County will screw up and everything will be bad. It'll fail. It might. But the entire state is failing now. We are losing 100,000 people every single year in New York State. They're running away from us. We're doing something wrong. It's clear. 
upstate particularly, western New York, central New York. I mean, it's youth flight. They're running away. We, we don't have farmers anymore. It's all, they're all going away. This has to change. And the best way to do it is to say, why don't you figure out what the right answer is? I don't know, but I will support you and defend you as you try to find the right way. And when you do, I ask only two things of you. One, be transparent. Two, share. Be transparent and share, and we can fix this state. It sounds simple, but that's how I fix companies. That's how smart companies run. That's how smart families run. That's how smart organizations run. That's how a government should run. So, and I love that. The issue I see is the pragmaticness of the solution. So right now we have New York State, which is, I think it was ranked 49th in terms of the most free states in the United States. No, oh, it was 50th. We'd be, we'd be Florida. We did I mean, we'd be California. Or we'd be, okay, so that, that must be new then, because I, I, miss, I miss that newest <laughs> one, um, which is, it, it's terrible. But the fact that we're already at the, the opposite end of where we want to be. So... Is there maybe a step that we can take? Now, here's another question that, that came from the audience that actually covers this. So there's been this new push from the New York State um, Divide New York Caucus, which is to split New York State into three separate regions, which would be like the, uh, the, the New York City slash capital region, the upstate New York slash central region, and then the southern tier slash western New York. Is that maybe a, a nice stepping stone to the world that we want to see that you, you've so outlined here? And if so, would you support something like that? No and no. Um, yeah, I don't want to break the state up. Why don't I do that? No, I don't want to break the state up. I want us to learn to live together. Okay, so let me... I don't want to break the state up. Why would I do that? Well, I think the issue comes, and this is from someone who's from very northern New York, is that why should I, in northern New York... Right now, as, as things stand, be dictated by a, a group of individuals within New York City, both in terms of them being the, the majority of our Let me answer officials, that question. Let me answer the, I, I get what he's saying. I hear this all the time. I get it. I hear what he's saying. And that's my point. I don't want to. But, but that's how things are now, though. Lose, that's the point. I don't want to lose what New York, what, what New York State is. Look, I don't want to break up the state. I don't think you have to. I don't believe you have to. I think you have to change the culture of New York. With the current culture, if it's not going to change, he's correct. Be forward. He's correct. What I'm saying is, let's change the culture of New York so that doesn't have to be true. He's assuming that it's either His Majesty's government or rebellion. Now, those are two options. However, I like the option of, how about we make a good enough you know, situation to where you are kind of on your own already? How about that we can still remain a family, but you can still have your own room? Can I, can I interject really quick? Said. So, Larry, let, let, me, let me interject really quick. So, I, I appreciate that. I, I love that that solution. The problem is, is that we are so far away from that solution in terms of, I mean, right now, our, the majority of our government in New York State is, is dictated by these, the Albany slash New York City regions. So, how do we make it? In, in a, an interim kind of manner before we get to hold this on. solution. Then let me touch this. What do you think is more, hold on. What do you think is more realistic? Just be honest with yourself and the, and the, and the uh, questioner, be honest with yourself. What's more realistic? New York State breaking up into three or a governor who made people think differently? The governor, uh, well, uh, honestly, I, I think you the governor would. Question. Well, no, there is well, no let, way. Let me, let, me, let me go ahead right quick. So I think no you're right. No way that New York, that New York State is going to break up. 
But I, let me let me interject. I think you're right that New York State having a governor like yourself would be the, the most ideal solution. I want to see that happen. And I think that that does have the most uh, feasibility in terms of happening. The problem Absolutely. is is that you have people in the North Country, you have people in the Southern Tier who feel so underrepresented that they, they've lost hope almost. And they're looking for these means because they've been faced with the the New York Safe Act, they've been safe, or they've been uh, faced with the increasing income taxes. They've been faced with the increasing property taxes. They've been faced with the increasing state sales tax. That they just feel like they're out of options. So they're looking for solutions that might yield a different result. Because for the past twelve years, since we've had Elliot Spitzer, Dave uh, Patterson, and then uh, Andrew Cuomo. It's just gotten progressively worse and worse and worse. So then stop voting for Democrats and Republicans. I'm giving you the option. I'm you, telling yes. you the answer. You're giving Vote them for the option. Who is going to change this stuff? Vote for the person who believes this. For the person who's worked this way. For the person who lives his life this way. For the person who built his business this way. For the person who coaches executives this way. For the person who trains people this way. Vote for that person. You're right. You want to keep voting Democrat. Republican, stay home. He's correct. That's why 70% of New Yorkers don't vote. This is why I can win, Brian. You've brought up my whole entire way of winning. 70% of New Yorkers don't show up to the polls anymore because they've given up upstate because of exactly what you just said. I'm saying now you get off your duff now. You now have an actual reason to go to that polling booth. Go to that polling booth. Pull that lever for Larry Sharp in twenty in twenty eighteen in November, and you will see this happen. I will become the marketer in chief for this state. I will begin to let each individual area have its own control. I will break the concept of unfunded mandates for every single county. I will stop that stuff and allow people to do what they need to do. I will allow people to raise money in this state, not through taxation, but through other ways, like as I've mentioned many times before, like naming rights on bridges. Like things of that, that way where people sort of put money into this state without having to increase without having to increase fees. I will end licensing for for for, for uh, jobs that don't just shouldn't require licensing. Why are there licenses for braiding hair and walking dogs? Why do they exist? I will end all of those things. I'll simply stop enforcing them and then the assembly will change. I will change the culture of the state to where you will feel like you have some hope. If you think the state's gonna break up, you might as well believe in leprechauns and unicorns. That's not going to happen. <laughs> you are going to stay unhappy. I am giving you a way to be happier or the option what other people are doing. They're leaving the state. That's happening more than anything else. I would like you to not leave the state. I would like you to vote in 2018 and make a change. Larry, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I want to see it happen. I really do. I just, in my 23 years, I feel like those GOPers, they're, they're going to be digging their heels in saying, it's, it's a two-party system. We got to vote for the GOP guy and the New York State Democrats are just going to elect who they want. So to those GOP voters who you need to have really go out, pull a lever for Larry Sharp, what do you say to them to get them to, to say, you know what? I'm tired of the two-party system. Larry Sharp is the right guy. I'm going to vote for him. I don't have to say that much. This happened last time. There was a big push for Astorino in 2014 and Upstate still didn't show up. Why? He wasn't exciting. I'm exciting. Watch my videos. Come to my events. Hear me speak. I do a radio show Wednesday nights. Call in at nine o'clock and to ask me questions and I will answer your questions. I will talk to you. It is that simple. I'm exciting. I'm around the, I'm around the state. I'm different. If you can't see that I'm different, you're not paying attention. I am clearly different. 
you want an opportunity, you have two choices. Leave the state, please don't pick that one. Or option two, vote for someone other than R or a D. They are the same party. The SAFE Act, all the new taxes, R's and D's together jumped, held hands and jumped on board for both of those things. The only answer is a third party. Libertarian Party, 2018 November, that is your answer. If you think it's something else, you're living in a fantasy world, you should leave the state. I don't want you to. I want you to vote. But your other answer is leaving the state. Larry Sharp, I uh, I think that right there is a, a phenomenal way to end the show because I think that's the best um, the best message that we, we can really put forward to New York State voters here in 2018. Um, I myself, I still am registered in New York State, so I'll definitely be casting my, val- my ballot for you, Larry. Um, that's why I'm I, here. And I'll be reaching out. I have a lot of uh, good, good friends in New York State who are uh, not only active uh, voters, but also those running for elected office. And uh, I'm, I'm pushing for you, Larry. I really want to see LarrySharp.com. Sharp with an E. E stands for electable. <laughs> and Larry, where can people find you on Twitter? Twitter is Larry Sharp. Instagram, Larry Sharp. Facebook is Larry Sharp for New York. And please go on there. Say hi. Watch the videos. Post. Do whatever you need to do. Please join in. Donate. That's awesome. And of course, vote. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you can follow Larry uh, there, like you said, at Larry Sharp with an E because it stands for electable. As always, this is Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you again to Larry Sharp, uh, candidate for New York State Governor, going against uh, the, the, as Larry called him, the anointed one, Andrew Cuomo. Uh, but until next one, until next time, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at B Nichols Liberty and on Facebook at B Nichols Liberty. And please feel free to subscribe to our Patreon as well at B Nichols Liberty. And as always, please feel free to rate, review, and share today's episode, especially you New Yorkers. Uh, so we can go ahead and help get Larry Sharp elected to be the next governor of New York state to take over the government and leave everyone else alone. Larry, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, it's Brian Nichols and The Brian Nichols Show. We'll talk to you then.